up your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 14, and as we do so, I will also uh, dismiss now, excuse the uh, youth, back with Albert as they will have um, their message back there. So all the youth is dismissed um, back with Albert at this moment. We are at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Last week we talked about how important it is to have the love of God or the agape love, the sacrificial love. The love that never gives up. The love that always endures. The love that suffers long. That love that that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. But I want you to know this and I want you to remember this and really understand that there is no way that we can live this out. That we can express the love of God. The agape, unconditional, sacrificial, selfless love of God without the power of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) We cannot do this. We cannot love the way God wants us to love. We cannot commit to love the way God wants us to commit and to love without the power of the Holy Spirit. Now a lot of people say whether they're in a relationship or whether it's with their family, their children or people that they know that they, they, there's no way I can love this person any longer. In and of yourself, you cannot. However, with the choice that you are making and in the power of of the Holy Spirit, that's when you can. And that's exactly why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that allows us to love even when we're suffering, that allows us to love even when we're going through storms. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that lets us endure even through those seasons, right? That believes all things, hopes all things, that endures all things. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that allows us to love until it never fails. (laughs) That allows us to love with no limits. And that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Now from chapters 12, 13, and now 14, there is a distinctive that Paul is making here for you and for me as a church. So now chapter 12, he talks about unity. And if you like taking notes, I would encourage you to do so because 12 is all about unity. 13 is all about love. And 14 is all about order. (laughs) So you see the common theme of what he's doing. I want you to be unified for edification. I want you to love for edification. And I want you to be in order for edification. The love in 12, I'm sorry, the unity in chapter 12, the love in chapter 13, and the order in chapter 14, it's all so that we can have an experience with the Holy Spirit grounded on the Word of God all for the edification of the body of Christ. And that's exactly what we're going to go over today. The purpose of edification. That we are not misguided, we're not misinstructed today. But that we would know as Christian believers as we come in today that our motive, our motive, I'll tell you this, should be as Christians to put God and Jesus on a pedestal of our lives. That we would not be on that pedestal. That we would say, Lord, you are on that pedestal. And through the Holy Spirit, I want you to use me to reach out to the world. Reach out to the body of Christ. Reach out to the world and let others know of you. But we have to put now Christ on the pedestal, right? And today we're going to talk about three things in chapter 14. Number one, the need of edification. The need of edification. We must be edified. When we study the gifts of the Holy Spirit... When we study what God wants us to use corporately and come together, it is for edification, the need of edification. 
but also the need of understanding. You can't get edified. You can't grow. You can't be built up. You can't be strengthened spiritually if you don't understand what's taking place. If you don't understand the Word of God. Right? So in order to be edified, number two, there also is a need for understanding. And then finally, the third point is that we would also have the need for order. Do you know that there is a need for order in our lives? I love that as we go through the chapter 14, we're going to see a common thread that God is not the God of confusion. God is the God of order. God is the God of order. Right? And when we know that the Holy Spirit is moving in His church, the Holy Spirit will move spontaneously. A lot of people ask me, do you believe that the Holy Spirit can move spontaneously? That the Holy Spirit can give us a word of knowledge, a word of prophecy? Absolutely, I believe that the Holy Spirit moves spontaneously. But the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit also moves in order. Isn't that amazing that the Holy Spirit moves in order? That God loves the organization that the Holy Spirit also promotes? A lot of times we want to have a Holy Spirit experience, but it's not founded or it's not based off the Word of God. You cannot have a Holy Spirit experience where all these gifts are taking place somewhere, but there is no Word of God. In order to have that Holy Spirit experience, it's with the Word of God. There is that balance. And we are going to read that today. Let's pray. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We ask, Lord, that you would edify today your church. That you would grow your church, Lord. That as a result of what we're about to study, that we would know that every gift, that every person here, Lord, you want to use. But you want to use it, Lord, to edify, to build up, not to tear down. I pray, Lord, that if anyone here needs to be edified, needs to be strengthened, that they need to be encouraged, that they need to be comforted, that they would in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can try on our own, but it will not work. We need the Holy Spirit, and we need the Word of God. And we pray this all. It is in Jesus' name we pray, and together we said, Amen. Amen. Now in verse 1 of chapter 14, it says this, Pursue love, and I want you to underline that, church, and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So now he's talking about love and spiritual gifts. And he opens up 14, chapter 14 with saying, pursue love. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, pursue love. Tell him, pursue love. Pursue love. So now when we talk about, number one, the need for edification, we know that in order to edify, we must pursue love. We must pursue love if we want to edify our brothers and our sisters. We must desire spiritual gifts, yes. But before spiritual gifts, we must pursue love. Do you see that right here when he's talking about spiritual gifts? He says pursue love first and then pursue desire spiritual gifts second. See, don't desire any spiritual gift without first pursuing love. Why? Because love is the highest goal. And I want you to remember that today. Love is the highest goal. In your marriage, pursue love. At church, pursue love. In your relationships, pursue love. At work, pursue love. Wherever you go with your neighbors, even pursue love. Why? Because love is the highest goal. Now the word pursue, if you study, it means to run after. It means to chase. It means to aspire. That's what pursue means. 
And we ought to run after, we ought to pursue, we ought to aspire after love. The reason why you want to pause there when it comes to pursue is because we as a church, as Christians, as brothers and sisters, as men and women, as disciples, we want to make sure we're pursuing all the right things. How many times in life have we started to pursue things that were outside of the will of God? How about pursuing all the wrong things? <laughs> Here he's telling us what to pursue, what to run after, what to aim for, what to now aspire to be a part of, and that is love, to pursue all the right things. But now he's saying here spiritual gifts, but especially that you would prophesy. He's going to tell us why he wants us to specifically desire prophetic, the prophetic gift. And I'll tell you why. Because here in the church of Corinth, at the time, everyone thought that they needed to be speaking in tongues. And tongues is now a gift of the Holy Spirit, where God gives you the gift to speak in an unknown language to yourself. And now we're going to learn that that gift of tongues is now you praising God. It's between you and God. It's, a mess. it's not a message for the church. Tongues, it's always now to magnify and to worship God in an unknown language. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit. But why is it here in verse 1 telling us that he desires that we would pursue now prophecy? Because the gift of prophecy is to edify and to build someone else up. When you love someone, guess what you want to do? You want to build them up. When you love someone, you want to strengthen them. When you love someone, you want to comfort them. When you love someone, you want to encourage them. So pursue the gifts that encourage others. Pursue the gifts that now build up others. Pursue the gift that, that now promotes the comfort of others that is for the benefit of other people that grows and that strengthens. And one of those gifts specifically is tongue, is prophecy. Now look what it says in verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue or in an unknown language does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Now if you're ever in a setting and you hear someone speaking in tongues and after that they say that was a message from God. I have a message for the entire church after speaking in tongues. I'll tell you, run as fast as you can because that is not a message from God. <laughs> You see, tongues is a message to God. It's worship. And in verse 2, he's telling tongues is speaking to God. Tongues is not speaking to men. And he tells us this, why to desire prophecy? Because in verse 2, when you're speaking in tongues, it says, no one understands him. If you want to edify someone, you want to meet them where they can understand you. And it says here now, how, however, in the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, that person speaking in tongues speaks mysteries or speaking something that we don't know, that we don't understand, or it is unknown, it is without understanding. That is what mystery means. It means something that you don't understand or something that you don't comprehend, something that you don't know. They're speaking something that you don't know, so desire prophecy instead. Verse 3, He who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. You see, when you now are desiring the gift of prophecy or a gift that can benefit others, specifically this gift that he's talking about in prophecy, what is it for? When you're speaking edification, now you're speaking prophecy, verse 3 tells us that you're speaking edification. Now, what does edification mean? That you're building up, number one. And you're speaking also exhortation. What does exhortation mean? You're encouraging, number two. And then you're comforting. What does that mean? 
that you're strengthening someone. So why not seek a gift where you can encourage, where you can build up, and where you can strengthen? I want to ask you today, who are you encouraging today? Who are you strengthening? And who are you building up? Are you encouraging someone today? Are you building someone up? Are you strengthening someone today? Are you using that which is the comfort that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit to reach other people? Now he's telling them, focus on that. Focus on encouraging. Focus on building up. Focus on strengthening. That is the ministry of the prophetic gift. Verse 4, look what he tells us. He says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself only because nobody else understands. But he who prophesies edifies the entire, the whole church. We're seeking the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Guess why we are seeking them for? We're not seeking them for ourselves. We're seeking the gifts so that we can bless the church. That is the number one need for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now God has given you gifts, specific gifts, and you would say, well, I don't know what those are. Maybe God's giving you the gift of helps or administration or of teaching, whatever it would be. God's giving you those gifts so you can bless the church, bless your family, reach other people, share your faith. They come with the power of the Holy Spirit. In verse 4, he tells, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies or builds other up the whole church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, verse 5, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now you keep seeing this word edification come up in this chapter. Why? Because Paul is desiring that the church is working, is pursuing love towards edification. You know when you pursue love, what you really are pursuing? Edification. When you're pursuing love, you're edifying your family. When you're pursuing love, you're edifying your marriage. When you're pursuing love, you're edifying that workplace. Because you're pursuing love, you're focused on the edification of other people. You're not focused on the exaltation of self. And he tells us here, I, I wish you guys all did speak in tongues. I'm not against speaking in tongues. However, think about how prophecy is more effective. Why is prophecy more effective or has a greater effect? Because it edifies the entire church. We ought to always choose the way of greater edification for the church asking yourself, what is it that God wants me to do with my life? Well, choose the way of greater edification for your family. Well, choose the way of greater edification for your workplace. Well, choose the way of greater edification even for your spiritual walk with the Lord as you're pursuing love. Right? That's what he's teaching us here. Now he's saying, I'm not against tongues, but if there's an interpreter there, let them give interpretation so that there now comes understanding and the church is edified. Now when someone is speaking in tongues, if, God, if that is of the power of the Holy Spirit, God would give now through the Holy Spirit the gift of now interpretation of somebody else. You know how that happens? By the Holy Spirit just moving unanimously with the church. And somebody says, you know what? God had given me the word of interpretation. I can interpret what that was said. Now everyone understands what was said. Now everyone can glorify God with what was said. Now everyone can say amen with what was said. Because an understanding also promotes unity. Right? An understanding promotes unity. Now verse 6 tells us, But now brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, 
By prophesying or by teaching. Now if I come with tongues, he's saying, how am I going to profit you? How, how is this impressive gift going to profit you? Is it going to profit you? Paul is not interested in impressing people with how spiritual he is. He's interested in the greater profit of other people. There are times where we want to appear as if we are more spiritual to impress someone. And the church of Corinth was doing so. In like manner, they all thought that they can speak in tongues to now desire an impressive gift and an unusual, mysterious gift. I've been in settings where people are praying and all of a sudden people start to fabricate the gifts of tongues as to now create a culture where the Spirit of God is present. But, but in, in, in reality, it's not. And sometimes people think, well, you know what, if you just start trying to, you know, just put yourself out there and pretend you're speaking in tongues and then, you know what, God will just take it from there and you'll start speaking in tongues. Well, that's not how it works. You don't just try to just start saying some gibberish and then God will just take, take it from there and you start speaking in tongues. No, absolutely not. Now, in fact, in verse 6, when it says, I'm not going to come in an impressive way, in an impressive gift. I'd rather be simple so that I can profit other people. Did you know that the times that we are most simple are the times that people are most edified? We try to hype things up. We try to be over spiritual sometimes. We try to impress people that does not minister to anyone. Now, verse 6 tells us this. If I speak either by revelation, I have insight by the word of God, knowledge or prophesying, people understand and comprehend, they can receive now or by teaching. You see, they have an understanding. And when you have an understanding... That is helpful. That is helpful. We're studying through the book of Nehemiah on Wednesdays, and we know that the goal when we come together is that it would we have a greater understanding of God's word because that is helpful. If you come and you speak in a gift or you do something that nobody understands, nobody gets, no one can follow, then no one is profited. No one is edified. In verse 7, even things without life. Think about now practical things without life. For example, he's going to give us an instrument, whether a flute or a harp. When they make a sound, unless they make it within distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what pipe, what is pipe or play? Now think, that, think about that. You have an instrument or a flute or a harp, and, and, and you're not playing the right notes. So if you're not playing the right notes on that flute or on that harp or that guitar or, that, or that bass or the drums, whatever it is, you won't be able to recognize the melody. And if you cannot recognize the melody of the song, then what good is that sound for you? It's not good. The right notes are not being played. There's no understanding. You can't discern it. So if it's not clearly being played, then you cannot recognize the message. You see this illustration he throws in there about recognizing the message? Verse 8, he goes on and he says, For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, if an instrument makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? Now you see in those movies where somebody comes out with a little trumpet, right? And the military camp and they blow that trumpet, right? And everyone runs out. Now they know that it's time to go into battle. But just imagine if that, that, that person comes out and blows the wrong tune in that trumpet, no one is going to understand, right? And no one is going to come out to be prepared for battle. You know what he's trying to tell us here? That we are all instruments. And you might be speaking, but are you really communicating love? Are you communicating love? Are you demonstrating love now? He's trying to teach us the difference between the impressive gifts that the Corinthians thought 
and the beneficial way. The beneficial way. And you know what he's trying to get them away from, from, from a mentality, from shifting from a mentality of thinking about themselves. You know what happens when we think about ourselves only? We hurt other people. We hurt other people. Even in ministry. Even at home. When you're thinking about yourself, you end up hurting other people. We ought to pursue love and seek edification. Pursue love and seek edification. The strength, the building up, the encouragement of other people. But that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit where you're saying, God, give me that power to seek love and the edification of other people. Now verse 11, So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand. And I want you to just underline easy to understand. Because we want to be simple. Because we want to edify. Because we don't, we're not looking for a place to exhibit something. We're looking to edify other people. It said here, unless you say something easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? How is anyone going to understand? For you, you will be speaking into the air. It is aimless. It's like speaking into the air because you're speaking these words that nobody understands. No one is really going to be ministered in the heart. It's going to flow in the air. Imagine if we heard an entire message today and the, all the message was in Greek or in Hebrew, Aramaic. None of us will minister to We'd be like, what was that? The Lord cannot minister to us because we didn't understand any of it. But speak here in something so easy to understand. That's it. When we open the Bible, guess what? I love how it said before. You let the Bible speak for itself. The Bible is so simple. You open up the Bible, you say, Lord, reveal your truth to me. Let the Bible speak for itself. And let the Bible minister to you. Because the Word of God is for today. The Word of God is for today. It's for your life. It's for your situation. You're going through a situation right now? Go to the Word of God. Because it's for your situation. It's for today. It's for the ministry. It's for your life. It's for your family. It's for your children. The Word of God is for today. And now He's telling us, but just imagine if you're speaking in an unknown language, no one's understanding. Now verse 10. Now there are... And it may be so many kinds of languages in the world, and under them is without significance. Every language has a special meaning. What is he trying to say by this? That every even tongues have a special meaning. However, you must understand the meaning to be benefited and edified. And it says, therefore, if you do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks shall be a foreigner to me. Now, you don't want to be a foreigner. <laughs> at church in the way you're speaking or exercising your gift or at home and how would you be that foreigner where really people don't understand because you're speaking in ways or you're not meeting them there where you're demonstrating love the best way to demonstrate someone love is to meet them right where they're at I love what Paul says I've become all things to all men so that in all things I may win the more I have become all things to all men so that in all things I may win the more. Pursuing love, seeking edification, right? Now in verse 12, he tells us this, Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, even though you are now looking and you're eager and you're motivated to seek for a spiritual gift, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Now a lot of us seek to excel. It's a great thing to excel. God doesn't want to hold us back. God doesn't want us to believe, you know, and think through His Word that He doesn't want us to grow, right? God wants us to grow, to excel. But let it be the motive on why you want to grow, the motive why you want God to use you 
is for the motive of the benefit of others. We're talking this morning about how when we exalt the Word of God, right, Jesus will draw people to Himself. That is the goal. Billy Graham said that. Billy Graham said it so wonderfully. When you raise up and exalt the Word of God, Jesus will draw people to Himself. Now when we use those gifts to exalt God, Jesus will draw people to Himself. The goal is that Jesus draws people to Himself and now that we draw people to ourselves. And that's what He wants to get them away from. Seek it with the motivation that not you are growing a reputation, that you're not trying to validate yourself, but that you want to excel for the benefit, not of self, but of other people. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Now there are certain settings where you're going to see God baptize someone with the gift of tongues. But when He does that, the Lord will always, and we should always pray, that someone is there to interpret so that there is an understanding. Verse 14, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. I don't understand what I'm saying. I want now the interpretation. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and also pray with understanding. What's the conclusion that maybe God gave you that beautiful gift? Use that beautiful gift. But also when you come together in the church, understand that the interpretation is needed. And also pray with understanding. With understanding because you want to edify people. You know when your family is most edified? When you are being understanding. (laughs) You know when the church is edified? When you're considering the fact of understanding. Because now you're there to meet the needs and serve, humbly serve the needs of people. It says here in verse 13 now, we will sing with the Spirit and also sing with understanding. See, the tongues is a message. It's worship to God. It's exaltation. It's a song. And, and he said, yes, we're going to sing with those tongues, but we're also going to sing with understanding because we want now the aim to be edification again. Otherwise, verse 16, if you bless with the Spirit, how will... He who occupies the place of the uninformed say, Amen. And that you're giving of things since he does not understand what you say. Imagine you pray in tongues and, and someone then says, Amen, but they don't know what they're saying Amen to. <laughs> they, don't know, they have no idea. But here you're seeking for the edification of other people. Verse 17, For you indeed give thanks. Well, yes, that's good for you. You gave thanks. But the other is not edified. Now think about this. Is the other edified? Is the other edified with the things that you're doing? Well, is it okay if I do this? Or is it okay if I do that? Or well, I'm just wanting to know that the Spirit is compelling me to move this direction. Or the Spirit of God is compelling me to say this. Or the Spirit of God is leading me to say this. Or I want to do this. I feel to have the liberty by the Spirit of God that I can do this, right? But is the other being edified? Now if the other is not being edified, then what's the point of doing it? If your family's not being edified, if your children's not being edified, if the people at church is not being edified, should you be a part of it? Should you do it? When speaking with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you must be sensitive that others are edified if you're going to use that gift. You must be sensitive that others are edified. Now verse 18, it says, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. And he's saying, I know I use that gift, but I'm always going to keep the main thing the main thing. What is the main thing? doesn't matter how beautiful the gift I have is. What's in the gift and the motive behind the gift 
and how God can use the gift is much more important than how beautiful my gift sounds. You see, you ought not to be concerned how beautiful your gift sounds or looks. What's in it, what God, how God uses it, how God will now tr- transform the lives of other people with that gift is more important. Verse 19, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words. This is amazing. In verse 19, I'd rather speak five words. I'd rather speak five words with understanding that, that I teach here that I may teach others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Think about how when you're simple with five words that, that minister to someone, it can be more effective than 10,000 words that nobody understands. I'd rather speak five words with understanding in the church. And notice that from verse 19, he's talking about in the church, in the gathering. He's talking about in the service. I'd rather say five words that people understand than 10,000 words trying to impress everyone and nobody gets ministered to. You know what the problem is sometimes with us? That we like to hear ourselves speak. <laughs> I remember my pastor one time said, a lot of people talk a lot, but they have nothing to say. <laughs> because it doesn't edify anyone. It doesn't edify anyone. Now think about this. I'd rather speak five simple words that are going to minister to the heart of someone than 10,000 that are going to do nothing in an unknown language. I don't want to be impressive. I want to be effective. I don't want to be impressive today. I choose to be effective so I can encourage others. I choose to keep it simple so that I can encourage others with just five simple words because I want to invest in the lives of other people. Now verse 20, Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice, be babes, but in understanding, be mature. Now he's telling you, I want you to grow up when it comes to these things. I want you to understand. I want you to have discernment when it is that God wants you to really exercise that gift. Maybe the gift of tongues in your prayer closet at home because he's speaking in tongues and he's saying, I do it more than all of you. That gives us... And that lets us know that he's speaking in tongues, but in his own time. <laughs> now here in verse 20, he said, I don't want you to be children. I don't want you to, to not know in understanding. However, in malice, or when it comes to evil, then be innocent. I don't want you to be innocent in understanding. I want you to be innocent when it comes to malice or to evil. Be innocent when it comes to those things. But do not be innocent when it comes to this type of understanding. In fact, be Mature. I want you to underline that word in verse 20. Be mature. You know what he's saying? And when he's saying be mature, he's saying, church, grow up. Grow up, church. I want you to be mature now. You know, selfishness is a big sign of immaturity when we're selfish. And what he's saying is, don't be, don't be just thinking about yourself. Be mature and grow up now. And he's going to give us now a citation from Isaiah 28, when speaking about how God will use an unknown language for His purpose. It's not for our purpose, it's always for His purpose. Now He says this, In the law it is written with men of other tongues and other lips, I shall speak to these people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord. Now God was speaking to His nation of Israel to the prophet Isaiah and saying, I'm going to use unknown languages to be able to show you my power. God will use anything. Specifically in chapter 14, he's talking about tongues. He's talking about an unknown language. Now he quotes Isaiah 28, which speaking about an unknown language to the nation of Israel. Here he's telling them that Assyria was going to invade Israel and they were going to hear an unknown language of the Assyrians in the nation of Israel, right? To show the judgment of God, to show the power of God. 
So God will use even an unknown language, God uses unknown language to demonstrate His power. He will, He will use them. However, here it's saying, in verse 22 as we read, Therefore, tongues are for a sign. He's going to let you know, tongues are not a bad thing. They're, they're for a sign. They're for us to understand the power of God. Not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but to those who believe. Now, is he contradicting himself now? Oh, wait a minute, I thought I was supposed to do this for the edifying of people. Now you're saying that it's a sign now for those that don't believe? You know what it's a sign of? It's a sign of God's power. But it must be used the right way. God doesn't misuse His power. And if it is a sign for God's power, God uses it the right way. Look what He's saying about prophecy. It's being used to benefit the church. Verse 22, Therefore tongues are for a sign, not for those who believe, but for those unbelievers. But prophesying is for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together... Now that's so important. He's talking about when we come together, the church. And the church should come together. It's important that we come together. It's important that we come to church. It's important that we don't miss church. Because this is where we get encouraged. This is where we get comforted. This is where we get built up. This is where we get strengthened. If you're not being built up, strengthened, comforted, encouraged, exhorted, convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit, then how are you going to grow at home? You're not. A lot of people say, well, I can do church from home. I don't have to go to church. I can have my relation with God at home. Yes, but how are you ever going to grow as the body of Christ? The Bible tells us that we must come together. And the Bible says here in verse 23, come together as a church. Now in one place, and all speak with tongues. Think about this. And they're coming to those who are uninformed or unbelievers. Will they not say that you are out of your mind? <laughs> Just think about this. God, tongues is a sign of power, but God doesn't misuse His power. Verse 23, think about if we all come together. We all start speaking in tongues and everyone starts raising their hands. And then there's some people come for the very first time at church. They're going to say, these people are out of their mind. We're out of here. <laughs> we don't understand what they're saying. It's crazy. You know, sometimes people at work, they ask me, are oh, you a pastor? Yeah, I, yeah, well, yeah, I am. I know you heard from somebody else. Hey, listen, man, I'll go to the church. I know you invited me. But in your church, do you guys do all that crazy stuff? <laughs> you know, because then if you guys do, I don't want to come. And I was like, you know what, man, just come just the way you are. It's going to be just as we're opening up the Bible, we're going to read it. We're going to talk about how, it's under, how we understand it and how it benefits now our lives. Because without the understanding, will it ever benefit us? I've heard a lot of people tell me, you know, well, before I went to the, the Roman Catholic Church, or I grew up this way and that way, but I never knew the Bible, so I never grew in my relationship with God. Do you understand the concept of what Paul is saying? But I never knew the Bible, so I never knew the, had a relationship with God because the power of the Holy Spirit was never benefiting now our lives. That's what's important that we come to church, right? But in verse 23, Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, they will say, Aren't you out of your mind? But if all prophesy, or if the gift of teaching is taking place, because prophecy is in relation to the gift of teaching. But if they come in, those that don't know Jesus, and even those that do, and the gift of prophecy is taking place, the prophetic teaching of God's Word is taking place at that place, think about what happens. And an unbeliever or an uninformed comes in, somebody that doesn't understand yet, person comes in, 
He is convicted. Please circle, underline, highlight the word convinced by all. And He is convicted by all. You know why we come to church? To be convinced of God's Word in God's Word and be convicted in God's Word. You know, if we don't want to be convinced that we that there is sin in our lives, and we don't want to be convicted of that sin, then how are we ever going to be more like Jesus? Now when He says, if someone comes and the gift of teaching is taking place, or the prophetic gift is taking place, get what happens? Those people that are coming in, that they're uninformed, they're going to be convinced. I'm convinced that I need Jesus. And I'm convicted of my sin that I absolutely do because I'm learning the truth. I'm learning the Word of God. And look what's going to happen when you're convinced and you're convicted. Now I love those two words, convinced and convicted. Because when you're convinced in God's Word and you're convicted by God's Word, it benefits your life. A lot of times we think, well, I don't want to go to that church or this church. I don't want to hear that message or this message because it's too convicting. Well, beautiful. That's supposed to be convicting. (laughs) If it's not convicting, is it doing any good for you? If it's just making you feel good. The problem is that today we're living in a feel-good culture where everybody wants just you to feel good about everything. Let me give you a feel-good message. When we start to preach about a God that exists to serve us instead of we who exist to serve Him... Be very careful who you listen to. Be careful where you draw the Word of God from. That it's not there to cater to you. It's not there to, to, to cater to, to exalt yourself. It's there so that you can be convinced and then also that you can be convicted. That's the work of the Word of God. And in verse 25 it says that they were going to be convinced and convicted of what? And thus the secrets of his heart will be revealed. The sin that is sitting in that person's heart, their selfishness, our pride, our ego... Our sin, all of that, guess what's going to be? It's going to be exposed. It's going to surface. It's going to be revealed when we hear the word of God. And it's saying here now, And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Now this is an amazing place to pause today. And report that God is truly among you. How do you know that God is truly among us? When we are convinced, And we are convicted in God's Word. What can we report? What can an unbeliever report? What can we notice? When we go to God's Word and we're convinced and we're convicted, we can repent because our sin is exposed in us. Because the hidden things of of our lives are exposed now. We can repent. And look, it says they fall down. They surrender at the Word of God, at the message. And they start to worship God, declaring, God is here God is present. Now this is amazing. Because you know God is present. You know God is present when conviction is also present. You know God is not present when conviction is not present. Because conviction draws you closer to the heart of God. If today your conviction, that, 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 that urge, that charge that you feel when the Word of God is taught, if that is missing in your life, then we need more of the Word of God. Because the Word of God, the Bible tells us, it's like a double-edged sword. It pierces any way. a double-edged sword. It exposes the, the depths of our hearts. It reveals the secrets of our minds, right? Of our faults and our heart is revealed. The reason why we think we're good people is because we haven't, our heart hasn't been revealed yet. <laughs> and we look at ourselves, oh, we're pretty good. When the Word of God comes, it, it breaks into our hearts and says, listen, we need 
to be convinced of sin, convicted of it, so that we can grow in an understanding and say, God is present. And guess what they also do? They start to worship God. You see, true worship is born from conviction in the Word of God. You want to become a better worshiper of God? Then get closer to the heart of God through the Word of God. Because the more you feel convinced and convicted, that's when true worship is born. We're going to end with Isaiah 55 verse 11. And it says this, I want to encourage you to turn there. And Isaiah 55 verse 11, when speaking about the gifts, speaking about understanding, speaking about what it means to know the Word. Isaiah now prophesies, as the Lord is giving him this message, it is saying, the Lord says, it is the same with my Word. It is the same with the Word of God. I will send it out. Think about how the Word of God is so effective. Think about how when we understand the Word of God is so effective. I will send it out and it will always produce fruit. Now, when we have an understanding, guess what we have? We also have fruit. You want to see fruit today, church, in your life? Do you really desire fruit in your own spiritual walk? Do you say, you know what, I'm going through it right now so bad. With I just want to quit. I just want to give up. I want to be, you know, I need some edification. I need some strengthening. I need some comfort. When the word of God goes out, the Lord said, I'm going to send it out. And it will always produce fruit. It always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to do. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. You know why? Because the word of God never comes back empty. That's why we need the Word of God. And I'll tell you, before you make decisions in life, I pray that you go to the Word of God first. When it comes to your children, you go to the Word of God. To be built, to be encouraged, to be edified. When it comes to how you raise your family, that you go to the Word of God. So you glean on an understanding and saying, you know what, I'm looking for edification. I'm looking to be built up. I'm looking for comfort. I'm not just going to say what everyone else says. It's so sad that the church is weakened. I'll tell you this. That the church is weakened by the opinions of the world. You know why the church is weakened by the opinions of the world? Because the church is stepping away from the word of God. And now what's coming out of the mouth of the church is the same thing of what's coming out of the mouth of the world. When it comes to policy. When it comes to what we stand for. I'll tell you, we as a church ought to be men and women of the Word of God. And men and women of the Word of God do not slander other people. Specifically, I'll tell you this, our government. And I understand there's a lot of things that maybe you don't approve of and you take it very personal. But as a Christian believer, I'll exhort you with a lot of love as your pastor to not be talking bad about your government or about your president. We ought to be praying for that praying for them that they make godly decisions and as a Christian believer say I'm not a Republican I'm not a Democrat I'm not in this party I'm not in that party I'm a Christian and I'm going to do what the Bible tells me to do Amen can we stand Lord Heavenly Father I thank you God for your word And I pray that we would identify more with being a disciple than anything else. I pray that we would identify more with being like you than being with anyone else. We pray for edification. We pray for an understanding. 
We pray, Lord, that we would hold your word above anything else. That your word, Lord, would be the authority of our lives. 